You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you because of your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, your love reaches to the skies and your faithfulness to the heavens. I pray as we come to your word now, Lord, would you speak to us? I pray for every heart, Lord, would it be open to you? And as I speak your truth, Lord, would it settle in hearts and come and renew and transform us? And we pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hello church, it is an absolute privilege to be opening the word of God today and sharing as part of our five-week series, God's Big Picture, Our Story in His Story. I'm week three today. If you've missed any previous weeks, make sure you go back and check them out on the YouTube channel. The truth is that we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. That God, the Alpha and Omega, the author and perfecter, He has prepared good works for us in advance. Before the creation of the earth, he saw you and weaved you into his story. Your story matters, your life matters. And as insignificant or difficult as life can feel or be sometimes, one of the most profound truths that we must remember is that we are part of God's story and that his plans and purposes always prevail. You know, when I think of this, I think about the tapestry in Coventry Cathedral. We'll get a picture up, but if you've never been to see it, I would so love for you to see this. And a detail right in the middle, but at the bottom of the tapestry is a small man. Well, it looks small, but really this is meant to be a life-size man. And if you zoom in on that, that's all you see. But one of the incredible things, and which is why I think about this as I think of our series, is that when you zoom out, You see Christ in glory. That is what the tapestry is called. This huge tapestry weighs a ton, literally a ton. This huge tapestry of Christ on his throne. And the truth is that we can lose some perspective in the busyness and details of our lives sometimes. Just in the the busyness and the difficulty of what can be family and busyness and work and lockdown and, and all of the rest of it. We can lose perspective. But when we take a moment to zoom out from our story, to zoom out from that little man, what we see is someone fixed firmly between the feet of Christ. And that in this series is what we're hoping you catch is that we look out and we see that God is on his throne. Psalm 47, 8 says, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. And today what I want to do is take a moment to zoom in on one individual in scripture so that we can get a grasp of the bigger picture, that we can get a grasp of our wonderful God. So today I want to zoom in on the prophet Jonah. Now Jonah has his own book in the Old Testament. It's only four chapters long. It's a small book. But if you want to grab a Bible or device, I'm not going to read Um, any significant length of scripture, but you could follow along with me as I go to a few places. But really quickly, I want to bring a quick summary of Jonah's story. And for all the boys and girls watching, I would so love for you to join along with this. So if you grab an A4 piece of paper or an A3 or whatever, if you can find a scrap or I know my mom used to have scrap envelopes and I draw on that. 
which is why my drawing's not very good. But grab an A4 piece of paper. If you split it into four, you could even split it into eight if you wanted. But what I'd love you to do is a little bit of a storyboard. So to draw some pictures that represent the story of Jonah. This could be whatever you like. Now, as an example, I haven't done a picture, but my big sister has. And she did this on an iPad. It's an amazing job. And she's done four little pictures that tell of the story of Jonah. So you can do that as we go along. That would be amazing. If you want to send those pictures in, you can email them to online at clmchurch.co.uk. I'd love to see them and maybe we'd get to share them as well. But a quick summary. So what happens is that Jonah is spoke to by God. God comes to him, speaks to him and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that they are in trouble with me. They need to repent of their sins and turn away because otherwise they're going to be destroyed. They'll be condemned because they are in evil. They're doing evil things. So Jonah, he's not a good prophet. What he does is he runs away. He goes down to a place called Joppa and he gets in a boat and he sails in the opposite direction. Say Nineveh's here where God has asked him to go. He goes and heads for Tarshish, which is over here. So he's on this boat heading over there. And what ends up happening is that there's a storm. God sends a storm. The sailors figure out that Jonah is the reason why. They toss him overboard. And then Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. Many think it's a whale, but it's actually a big fish in the Bible. So it could be a whale. It could be something else. I'm not sure. My sister drew like a giant goldfish. Maybe you want to be creative. You could do like a Nemo or Dory, but a big one. So he gets swallowed by this big fish. The Bible tells us he's in there for three days and three nights. And then he gets spat out onto shore. And God speaks to him again. And he says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah eventually obeys. He goes there. He preaches a really short sermon. And then he heads out. And what happens is that people respond to the word of God in Nineveh. Now, there's lots of reasons why Jonah wouldn't want to go. You know, Nineveh was a capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians were the sworn enemies of God's people. And so Jonah, he hated these people. And we see that so clearly from this. His heart was so hard towards them and he didn't want them to get saved. So after preaching, the people, they repent and God relents. He doesn't destroy them. He says they've been forgiven. But Jonah, he goes out on the city hill and he sulks. And then we have this really interesting exchange between Jonah and God, where Jonah is saying, God, I, I ran because you were merciful. And then God grows this plant and then sends a worm to eat it after that. You can read all about that. I'm not going to dive into that because I don't have time. But there is a quick summary for you. You know, reflecting on the book of Jonah, the scholar G. Campbell Morgan once said, men have been looking so hard at the great fish that they have failed to see the great God. And today I want us to look at the great and magnificent God that Jonah served in his story and that we serve in ours. So I want to draw three things from the story of Jonah. So firstly, God relentlessly pursues us. God relentlessly pursues you. You know, we live in a world and a culture where we are so quick to abandon and so quick to cancel. Canceling is a new term where if someone does something that is wrong or something we disagree with, we cancel them. It's called cancel culture. You have been canceled because you have done this. 
And for some things, it can be understandable for companies that do awful things and, and they get canceled so people no longer go and use their services. But we've be began to be a culture that cancels people where there is no redemption, there is no grace, no forgiveness. And sometimes that can so often creep into our hearts. If you think about it, really, if that was the way that we should live, then, then God would be one who cancels too. And God had every right to cancel Jonah. God had every right to abandon him and forget about him and maybe choose someone else. God speaks to Jonah and asks him to go and Jonah disobeys him. A direct order from God himself and Jonah disobeys. Jonah was being sinful in choosing his preference over God's word. But how often can we be in that? How often can we know the good that we ought to do and read God's word and just be flipping about it or ignore it? In our story, it can be the same. But how incredible to know that like Jonah, God is the same with us, that he doesn't cancel us at our first failure. He doesn't cancel us in our failings. He doesn't abandon us. He relentlessly pursues us. He has relentless belief in you and I as his sons and daughters. Does God give up? Does he abandon? No. Even if you feel like that today, the truth is that he doesn't. That is how it's been in God's story. Right in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. They ran away from him in the garden, hiding in the trees of the garden. Genesis 3.8, you can read it. But what happens? God pursued them. It says, the Lord God called to man and he says, where are you? It was the first missionary. God himself came and pursued Adam and Eve. They'd fallen. They'd fallen in a bad way. But God comes and pursues Jonah. He disobeys in a bad way. But God doesn't choose someone else. He does some things to try and get Jonah back on course in the storm and the fish. And, but then he speaks to me, says, he says, go to Nineveh. God doesn't make mistakes. Jonah was the man for the job. Maybe some things are spoken over your life and you feel like you've let God down. You've missed it. You've missed the mark. You've missed the moment. But God relentlessly pursues you. He believes in you. I can feel like this during lockdown. I feel like I've missed the mark so many times. There is so much I should have done and could have done that I didn't do. But you know what? I can get back up again. I can forgive myself because he forgives me. He pursues me. He loves me. He calls me and he calls you. He says, come on, come on. I believe in you. I am for you. I don't make mistakes. I'm not a man that I lie or change my mind. I chose you. I've called you and I will keep you. Jonah was pursued by God. Adam and Eve pursued by God. So many stories we could look at. But Jesus himself, when God himself comes to earth, what was his mission? He says, I came to seek and save the lost. And when you've been found by him, he doesn't just give up on you. Jesus relentlessly pursues us. Did Jesus give up on Peter after he denied him? Did he get rid of Thomas when Thomas doubted? No. Time and time again, we see the grace and mercy, a gift we don't deserve, found in God. God has always had a heart of reconciliation. 
How do you need to respond to that today? His relentless pursuit of you. Maybe some of you just need to stop running. You can read Jonah's prayer in Jonah 2. And he cries out to God for mercy. And he comes in repentance. And then he gives thanks. Maybe for some of you, you're walking in a place of sin, of disobedience right now. Let me tell you, your story's not over. God hasn't finished you and cast you out of his tapestry. You are still in it, but you've got a moment where you have to go, Lord, I come and cry out for mercy. You don't cry out hoping that he will. You cry out knowing that he will because of what Jesus has won. Jonah 2 verse 2, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. So from Jonah's story, we see that God relentlessly pursues you. And secondly, he can use any circumstance for our good and his glory. He can use any circumstance, church, to bring life. In chapter one, God had sent a storm and he wasn't doing this to punish or kill Jonah. God wanted to redirect his course. God knew what would happen. God foresaw. God is bigger. He hadn't given up on Jonah. He weren't trying to kill him in that place. He was trying to redirect Jonah back into a place of purpose. Anything. We read all of these. You can read them, but the storm, the big fish, even his lackluster preaching, glory was brought to God's name because people repented in Nineveh. The vine in bringing shade, God was trying to teach something. The worm that destroyed it, God was still trying to use it for Jonah's good and for his glory. Romans 8, 28, a beautiful verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things. Church, where you are, say all things. All things work together for good. You know, in the midst of that, there was some suffering for Jonah. And we can feel sometimes like there's no purpose or there's suffering that we can't reconcile to God's goodness. But when we get this picture, when we see and begin to understand, when we cannot comprehend while trials come and struggle to imagine that anything good can come from them, we can rest in the security that God is in control, that our story is part of his, that he has purpose in this. This is so important for our perspective in each moment, for finding purpose in pain and trials, but also to trust that God is at work. There is also another element of this that's important for us to understand. Tim Keller writes a book on Jonah called The Prodigal Prophet, and he says this, if you wanna understand your own behavior, you must understand that all sin against God is grounded in a refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. We distrust God because we assume he is not really for us, that if we give him complete control, we will be miserable. Adam and Eve did not say, let's be evil. Let's ruin our own lives and everyone else's too. Rather, they thought we just want to be happy, but his commands don't look like they will give us the things that we need to thrive. We have to take things into our own hands. We can't trust him. 
in knowing that God works all things together for the good of those that love him, that he can use any circumstance to bring life. There's an exhortation there, a fresh church, as we look and zoom out at God's bigger picture to trust him, to trust him afresh that he has all that you need, to trust him afresh that he wants good for you, to trust him afresh that obedience will be good for you and will bring him glory. Trust him right where you are. Church, you can rest assured that however you have gotten to the place you are now, our God can bring life. For some of us, you might think, well, my sin has brought me here. I've, I've done some things that have brought me to this situation, put me in this mess. Well, church, the, the truth is that Jonah and his sin had brought him to the place that he was in. I'm not saying that the storm in your life is a result of your sin, but some of you may know that. You might be dealing with some repercussions of bad decisions that you've made. And hey, I don't stand as a voice of condemnation. I stand as a voice of hope on behalf of God, saying that he can redeem even those situations. It was Jonah's sin that led him to the boat. And it was from that place that God again redeems his story. Thousands were saved because of Jonah, because of him going. It took him two efforts and a storm and a boat and a fish and all the rest of it, but God used it for good. Turn back to him again if that's you. Say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I come to you again. The final point that I want to make from Jonah's story today is that God desires that others would know him. This is such a central part to Jonah's story. Jonah ran from God's command to go and tell people about him about his judgment, yes, but he did it with a heart of salvation. A hard truth to be preached by Jonah, the prophet of God, so that people would not be destroyed. And again, when Jonah is finally spat out, God does not relent in his command for Jonah to go. He desires that the people of Nineveh would not be destroyed. And why does Jonah even run? Well, this is where we see God's heart. He says in Jonah 4, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love and a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah ran away because he knew that God was gracious and merciful and the people would be saved. All the while in this story, salvation is woven in. Many scholars think the central point of this story is in fact a line that Jonah says in chapter two, that salvation comes from the Lord. That's what he says in his prayer. Salvation comes from the Lord. The central part of God's big story is that salvation belongs to the Lord. Jesus came and his name means the God who saves. Right at the heart of God's story is redemption, salvation for mankind, that he is redeeming a people for himself. He wants a people for himself. He desires that none would perish. We are Christ's ambassadors. Whether you like it or not, if you know and have tasted of the goodness of this God, you are also called to go. 
we are called to invite others into God's big story for them to know the faithfulness and goodness of our God. You know, we're not called to go and tell others of Jonah who begrudgingly went to tell of God's truth. We're called to tell others of Jesus who is truth, who is the way, who is life. Jonah, he went out and sought on a hill outside of the city because God did not reap destruction on the city as he wanted. But Jesus, our savior, he carried a cross outside of the city. And then he limped up a hill. He limped to Golgotha, the place where he was crucified, where his blood was shed that we might have life. We are called church to tell people of this God. This is our God whose story we can be a part of and whose story we can invite others into. May you take great comfort today in the God that we serve, the one who relentlessly pursues you, the one who can use all things and the one who desires that none should perish. Allow me to take a moment to pray today. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can learn from this story, Lord, your heart. We can learn who is sovereign over our lives and we can learn about our identity in you. I pray, Lord, afresh that we would sit and stand on the truth of your word. I pray we would know that you relentlessly believe in us and pursue us. I pray that we would know that you are faithful in every circumstance and you can use all things for good. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't neglect our call to go and tell others. I pray that we would know how close salvation is to your heart and that we would be a people who go. So Lord, I pray, bless us in our stories. Would we invite others into your big story, God, that they might know the truth of who you are. I pray this in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.